We are talking about the fact that it's been just over a year now that we've been dealing with COVID-19. The World Health Organization declared it a global pandemic one year ago last week. So this hour, we're spending some time talking to those with some unique perspectives about what the last year has looked like. Uh, just chatted with an ICU doctor from the Royal Alex, Dr. Darren Markland, uh, earlier in the 7 o'clock hour about what his perspective has been like over the course of the year, how it's changed, and of course, uh, some of the patient standards outs over the course of what's been a really challenging year. Uh, now we're going to shift our focus to how it's looked for relationships. What are some of the challenges that couples are facing? What are the challenges that singles are facing? How has the relationship dynamic changed over the course of the year? Going to get into it right now with our next guest, who is a sex and relationship researcher and Jocelyn Elder's endowed chair at the University of Minnesota Medical School. Dr. Kristen Mark is joining me. Dr. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time and appreciate the conversation about something that I think, you know, we've kind of talked about as the year has gone on. Challenges that couples have been facing, um, you know, unique situations that a lot of us are going through as couples or as singles over the course of the year. So let's just kind of dive into it first, starting with those that are coupled up. How has the relationship dynamic changed over the last year? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing uh, from couples that are unique over the course of a pandemic year? Yeah, one of the real determining factors of how unique or like what the couple situation looks like really has to do with whether or not you have kids at home, right? You can imagine if you're having to um, guide their schooling with stay-at-home orders, then that has a different impact on the relationship than couples who are going through the pandemic together without children in the home. And um, for couples who don't have children in the home, actually for some of them, they've found that it's really allowed for them to work on and notice issues in their relationship and therefore make changes so it's sort of the pandemic has acted as a bit of an impetus for change whether that means like positive change staying together strengthening the relationship or going one separate ways hmm. whereas in the context of couples who have children um, a lot of those couples have just really kind of had to hunker down and figure out how to just get through day to day, um, which I think is the case for, for everyone. But in particular with those children, you know, things like their sex life, for example, tends to go to um, go to the side really quickly. So we're seeing a real decrease actually across the board in sexual activity across the pandemic. Um, but we are seeing that couples who are really working together to get through this together that that can be a bonding experience so it's not all negative it's not all doom and gloom there is actually some light at the end of the tunnel where couples may actually come out of this stronger if they had a good foundation to begin with so i mean obviously sex isn't everything in a relationship but i mean how do you prioritize that are there different options you know just kind of creating that intimacy maybe in different ways even though you're not really ever alone if your kids are always there <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it, actually. So finding different ways to get those intimacy needs met and also understanding what your partner's needs are. So, like, maybe sometimes you just you have to prioritize 
being sexual with your partner if that's really, really important to your partner. Maybe both of you have a conversation that says, you know what, we know that our sex life is not going to be the best right now, but just know that like we want to get it back on track as soon as this ends, right? And so I think that conversation can go a long way of not allowing it to be this like elephant in the room, but instead having a clear conversation about it, acknowledging the impact and the stress and the toll that the pandemic is taking, and then acknowledging to one another and promising one another, you know, we will get this back on track. Yeah, you know, it seems like no matter what the conversation is that we're having on this show, transparency is always key. That communication really just goes such a long way. So is that kind of the, the secret sauce? If you're if you're spending a lot of time with your partner, whether you're trying to work through something or whether you're finding that maybe the, the cracks in the foundation are too big, is it just about healthy communication? Yeah, I think that's the key for any successful relationship. So uh, friendship, family members, and definitely romantic relationships. So definitely communicate about it. And, you know, I think once we acknowledge it, then we can take steps forward. If you don't do the acknowledgement part, you don't have any steps to take forward, right? So just think about that as the key component to being able to get through this alive. (laughs) (laughs) What if someone is in a situation where they're finding, okay, the the challenges are too great. We've spent so much time with one another. What, what, What should they do? How do they navigate moving forward? How do you know that it's still, you know, worthwhile to, to fight for something or to keep trying in a relationship or maybe it's time to walk away? Yeah, and I think um, that can be really important to acknowledge, like, what component of our troubles that we're having has to do with this situation of us being in the pandemic versus what is something that will still stick with us post-pandemic. And so understanding the contextual factors that are feeding into that and separating those out from the things that aren't as, um, you know, that, that won't necessarily be an issue once we get to the other end of this. So how do you give your partner support if they're, I mean, everyone is dealing with the, with the pandemic in, in some kind of a different way, right? We have different people, depending on their jobs, there's certain situations might have different stressors. How do you support your partner as they're trying to navigate the same stressors as you are when you need that support as well? Yeah, um, one of the great ways to to do that is, well, talking with each other, but also um, if you could pick something, like one small thing that you know brings a level of closeness or brings like happiness or excitement into the relationship, um, because relationships, I mean, we've done a year of this now, like it's really can be very monotonous and feel a bit like Groundhog Day um, for everybody. And so finding ways to have something in your schedule, something to look forward to, something at the end of the week where you're like, oh, good, like we're going to get to connect over a really nice dinner this night. Like the kids are going to go and do this other thing in this other room because maybe you're (laughs) confined to just one house, right? But finding those ways to make sure that you still provide space in the relationship for that connection and for that like excitement to build right because if we don't have that excitement we just have this monotonous experience then that's where things can get really dark right and and you know yeah. resentment can breed frustration i'm sure can oh, absolutely. Um, okay dr mark let's switch gears and talk about singles now and what it looks like for someone who is single trying to navigate the pandemic um what are some of the challenges that they've been facing 
Yeah, and what we've seen in our data is that similar to how with couples, if you have kids in the home, it really makes a difference. For singles, if you don't have anyone in the home, like not even a pet, for example, mm-hmm. um, and we did measure that and it has been really interesting. Um, but if you don't have anyone in the home and you're really like you were very, very isolated, those who felt a higher level of social support, so they maybe like created a pod of people that they could see and get those 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 needs met, those people are faring better than those who have been in complete isolation. Um, it's a very difficult thing to be faced with having an entire year of not being able to like hug someone, like physical touch, romantic or not, is an incredibly important um component of our health we get a lot from physical touch and we haven't been able to have that and so for individuals who are single it's also really stalled their ability to go on dates and to meet new people if they are looking for a relationship um and so we've seen that there are some different something some ways that singles are navigating that um there's a lot more video dating before meeting somebody there's a lot of like asking about one's covid status which i find really interesting as a public health researcher like we would love people to do that about sti for example and like they will not (laughs) but when it comes to covid they're totally they're totally asking each other about like exposure and um have you been tested have you been vaccinated like what's your behavior like Yeah. (laughs) And so that's ending up being like a prerequisite to going on a face-to-face date with somebody, um, which is great because it's facilitating exactly what we just talked about with communication. It's making people communicate early on in a relationship and form those healthy ways to communicate with one another about these things. You're talking about people being transparent about, you know, whether or not they've been exposed to COVID, whether they've had it, whether they've been, you know, tested or or vaccinated. But what about their attitudes towards COVID? Is that something that people are talking about when they're dating somebody? Because uh, we know that it's become just such a a, such a contentious (laughs) issue, depending on what side you're on. Yeah, for some reason, this health issue has become political. But um, yes, there's definitely, um, you know, on dating apps, for for instance, people who are on dating apps, they'll list um, their attitudes toward COVID or they'll list... um, you know, uh, anti-vaxxers need not apply sort of thing, you know, (laughs) like, or COVID deniers need not apply. We've seen that um, for a lot of people. And um, so I think people are talking about it because it's front of mind. And uh, it's, as you said, a contentious thing, unfortunately. So do you see any kind of any kind of changing trends in terms of how we're using dating apps moving forward or how people are finding each other do you think that maybe people are going to be so sick of the virtual front moving forward that we just move away from them you know that's really hard to say i don't know the answer to that and i've thought about that a lot because we collected data over six waves and so we have seen that um engagement in the in dating apps has really fluctuated like there's no clear increase over time it seems especially based on we collected like some data where people like qualitative data so people like um, wrote in their responses and in those we can see in those data we can see that people are like yeah i got on the dating app right away at the pandemic but 
then I just got really frustrated with it because I couldn't meet people anyway. So what's the point in being on it? So I deleted it. And then I got really bored like two weeks later. And so then I added it again. And so it really seems like there's just this like fluctuation of going back and forth between like, okay, I really don't want to be doing this, but I feel like it's my only option. And like, I'm so sick of doing this. I don't want to touch it. So I'm not sure what post pandemic will look like, but I can say that during the pandemic, we've certainly seen like a flurry of activity on these dating apps for sure. Definitely a a yo-yo or like a boomerang effect. I have so many friends that do that. I'm on, I'm off, I'm on, I'm off. Right. Yeah. So inconsistent with it. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what our attitudes are moving forward. So Dr. Mark, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate the conversation. Great information. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.